Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. It's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, these welcome to the Boston Podcast, where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. Hello, quarantine nation. I hope everyone is not too over-caffeined or under-caffeined or drunk or hungover, but this is our lives, people. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't even know what day it is. It's uh, of the quarantine day, 50-something, 60-something. It might be Tuesday or it might be Sunday at midnight. I don't know. I don't care. I've got a great guest. His name, and he's probably laughing at me right now. His name is an old friend of mine, as a matter of fact. Now he's a super big shot. He's the chairman and CEO of the Colony Group Financial Advisory Company, and his name is Mike Nathanson. Mike, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Dave. Great to see you again. How are you? Uh, how are you holding up? <laughs> How's the I'm, fam and I'm all that? Gonna- yeah. Yep. I'm holding up well. I, I have I have a context for what's going on, and uh, and my family is well. Um, my company is well. Uh, we do have one employee that, that has the virus, but that employee is a younger employee who is recovering very well. And um, all things being considered, it could be an awful lot worse. And so uh, I'm doing well, and uh, the people around me are doing well. That's good. We should disclose that we met probably in 1981 at a summer camp known as Camp Tell Nowhere, which is, Mike, you and I both know is really a cult. If you've been to that camp that you, you cherish those friendships just like um, with some kind of uh, strange secret, almost secretive uh, camaraderie. But um, I remember you as um, kind of a, a serious guy that I looked up to and and then I, of course, um, now at pod617.com, I work with your brother, Ed Nathanson, who got all the crazy of the family, apparently. Um, <laughs> and you went on to greatness. But um, I remember you as, an, as like the best swimmer at camp. Is that, is that fair to say? Would you have proclaimed yourself that? I was a pretty good swimmer. Yep. And uh, that was something that I was very passionate about. Believe it or not, at one point, I had aspirations of being an Olympic backstroker. And then I, I ultimately realized when reality set in that when you're five feet, seven inches tall, which I am, that doesn't go well in the Olympics. And so I moved on. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Mike's, Mike's company and any tips or thoughts he can give and how he's dealing with clients as the markets continue to scare many of us, let's be honest. But before we get to that, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't pick up on something you said. That must have been alarming when you heard one of your employees tested positive. So tell me, a, if you can, tell me a little bit more about that. What, like, how did they find out? How did you find out? And, and 
and what's um, what are the implications? So the Colony Group has uh, just under 250 employees, and we have 15 offices across the country. Um, I do know what office this employee is in, believe it or not. However, I don't even know the employee's identity. Okay. Um, the employee um, um, made us aware of this through our, our human resources group. And uh, we are, of course, required by law to respect this employee's privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm only hearing about things uh, as they come to me indirectly. And uh, it was pretty scary. Um, we are actually... Um, we, we have been uh, we have been working from home now for uh, for some time since the end of February, maybe beginning of March, before the stay-at-home orders began. Uh, we had foreseen that things were getting bad and knew that we needed to do this. As an advisory firm, we're required by law to have a, a remote contingency uh, plan, and uh, and so moving to a work from home environment, I'm never going to say it was easy, but for us, we were already ready for this. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that employee, uh, I understand is, is doing better. We did tell everyone in the company that this was happening. We fully expect other employees, given the number of people that we have, um, may themselves get sick or family members will get sick. This is the new normal and we all just need to be supportive of each other. Yeah, it's, we knew this was coming, right? We, we knew that with the spread of the virus, no matter whose projections you go by, that we were going to start to hear about people that we know. And, you know, I was recording a podcast just about a week ago. And as I'm talking to my guest, I get a text that a, a friend of mine, her mom had passed away from the virus. Now, this person was, I think, close to 90 years old. So it's, it's, it's not as if it was... Um, Terribly unexpected, I guess, given that someone of that age to contract the virus. And I guess the bright side is that person lived a full and happy life. But, you know, you, you, it's just scarier and scarier. And, you know, of course, we were hearing celebrities get it. And so close to home is exactly what it is. Um, are you able to do your job to your satisfaction remotely? It, it, as you say, you were sort of girded for this, but it does make things a little differently, right? But are you still able to check in? Is your company still able to check in with clients and whatnot and soothe their, ner- soothe their nerves virtually? Most certainly. Yeah. And we are, I would say, meeting probably more than ever so before using this virtual environment. We've taken the approach of using individual virtual meetings, but also coupling them with webinars. Um, the webinars have been targeted around service teams. We've, we've done now 11 webinars for different segments of clients and advisors. And uh, so we are communicating. I will say this, though, Dave, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, people, there are, there are now people who are saying, you know, this is all terrible. It's a human tragedy. But ultimately, this is the way of the future. We're all going to go virtual. And maybe there's a silver lining. It will be more efficient to work from home. And... Um, and that's, there's probably some truth to that, but I would like to say this, that while we are communicating regularly internally and doing what everyone else is doing, having town halls and doing what people call happy hours and things like that, mm-hmm. just like everybody else, the reality is, is that by being separated like this, by not being together physically, we are, we're depleting what I would call our social capital and social capital uh, is a term that I learned about from a TED talk. 
uh, that was delivered by Margaret Heffernan, and it's called Forget the Pecking Order at Work. And it's all about how organizations are stronger because of the bonds that people build with each other, that what really keeps people together at organizations and makes them as efficient as they can be is not the fact that they're getting paid a lot. It's not their training. It's that people work together and they work, as she says, elbow to elbow, and they learn how to anticipate each other. And they learn how to, to, to behave in a way that makes sense for everybody. And I do think we're losing something. I think that companies generally are losing something as a result of, of being physically distanced. And I'm one of those people who is very much looking forward to getting back into offices where we can effectively be elbow to elbow, albeit I certainly understand that's going to look different. We're probably going to be wearing masks. There's probably going to be distance between us at offices. And I don't for a second think that it's going to be anytime soon before we go back to what it was before, if ever. Well, that's interesting. You're the, you're the first person to, to bang that drum that I've heard. I think, I mean, I think everybody wants things to get back to normal, but most people are sort of conceding that this, this new normal will last and endure for a while and maybe even change things permanently. So the, I mean, we're all used to the zoom calls now, all the jokes have been made, all the, I'm, I'm working on a parody video of uh, reenacting the scene in The Godfather where Michael shoots the two, the cop and the gangster in the restaurant, but by Zoom. But so in other words, all three characters are in different boxes and Michael will have to aim his gun at the, the you know, the box in the, <laughs> in the Zoom in order to shoot the two people. Um, Who's going to put the gun behind the toilet? Well, right. I, I haven't figured that out yet. Would there be, could Michael bring his laptop into the bathroom when he, when he <laughs> retrieves the the concealed <laughs> gun, I don't know. Actually, you know what? That see, good. This is this is workshopping. You're right. That's funny because that's kind of a play on this thing that now has uh, you know those those shots have gone viral of people mistakenly going to the bathroom during the Zoom call. That's a great idea. All right, I'll give you I'll give you a co-writing credit. Best in the city. But I guess what I'm getting at is. Um, you know, I, I tend to think, I mean, I like technology. I think it's fun. And I think, you know, Zoom is kind of what we all defaulted to. There are other platforms that people use. Zoom seems to be the most popular. I don't know the numbers or anything. But although it's good, the, the, it could be much better. And I mean, just to make one observation, you know, we're, you and I are both on our computers. You know, I wonder if by this time next year, every time you buy a smart TV, will that be equipped with a webcam and a Zoom app right on the smart TV? The smart TV has, has all those other apps. You know, it's got Netflix, it's got Hulu, it's got everything. Why not have a Zoom? And, th and that way, at least, you're, you're looking at somebody on a big, high-def screen. We're all staring at each other on these little screens. And when you get, like, you know, uh, 18 people or whatever it is on one of those Zoom calls, it's kind of, I mean, you can recognize people, but... It's, it's, it's kind of you're squinting and you're staring and some people have bad lighting. You know what I'm saying? Um, you seem to be saying, let's not worry about that because the, the goal is eventually to get off these, these calls. Uh, as I said, I, I do think there are many who feel that the train has left the station and this is the way of the future. But let me give you an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Sure. So our Boston office probably has something in the area of 60 people that are regularly there. And, and I work partly out of the boss, our Boston office, partly out of our Wellesley Mass office as well. And, um, and there are people in that Boston office that I sometimes see just walking around. I see them in our cafeteria. 
I might see them in the bathroom. I might see them just, just walking to go and get a soda. And that's just not going to happen on Zoom. There are people that I anticipate I will never react with unless I basically go through our employee list, make a point of, of calling them, having a one-on-one -on -one with them. You just miss these kinds of interactions with people through Zoom. And, um, and you also, uh, you miss again that warmth that you get, that personal, physical connection that you get when you are together with someone, especially when you see someone over and over again. And uh, again, you know, I'll tell you, um, you know, if I were to make one recommendation to your listeners, mm -hmm. one thing that they could listen to on their own to, to just get a sense for what I'm talking about. Again, I really recommend this TED Talk. It's called Forget the Pecking Order at Work. Uh, the speaker is Margaret Heffernan. And when I saw that TED Talk, it changed everything for me. It just gave me a whole new perspective on what it is that makes teams great, what it is that keeps people happy at work, that keeps people at a job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And we know it. you talk about how we're doing these, these hap virtual happy hours and they're fun and but they were a lot more fun in week one than in week six i think you know when, when i you know i i got together virtually with uh almost 20 i think of my fraternity brothers you know this and i graduated in you know your vintage mike but i graduated in 1990 whatever but um and it was cool because there were people on that call that i haven't seen in years and quite frankly probably wouldn't have you know even if we had gone to our reunion which would have been next month um and it was fun for about an hour. And then there was a second one, which I didn't attend, which I was told was okay, but not as good. You can't simulate little, like you can't simulate side conversations. That's frustrating on a Zoom call. When you look up and you're, you're, you're playing, you know, Hollywood Squares there, upper right, you know, for the block. And, and you, you try to talk to that person. And my instincts is I, I actually like point my eyes up at that person's box as if they're going to hear me a little better if I <laughs> look. But you've, you've got as many as, you know, a dozen people talking at the same time. And so it's, it would be human nature to go over. Let's say you see if, if it was real life, I would make a point to go over to certain people and say certain things and, you know, obviously shake that person's hand. Right. So are those the kind of little moments that you're talking about that we'd lose? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. again, those things add up and those things, those connections that we have, those are what contribute to this concept of social capital. The, if you think about individuals as bricks, social capital, that's the mortar for the bricks and the bricks don't hold up if you don't have mortar to keep them together. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely right. And it's, it's kind of, there's something very strange and dystopian about this whole scene. <laughs> you know, you go out certain supermarkets I've been to. Um, I mean, you can go to like market basket or Trader Joe's and wait in line. And I'm not complaining because I know why we have need to do this, but um I usually forego those supermarkets with lines. I'll go to a different supermarket. Now, the supermarkets without lines may have depleted stock and there'll be fewer people in there. And it is scary. And everyone's walking around in masks. And, and so, and meanwhile, part of this whole dystopia is this almost, you know, Orwellian world of is this, is this, um, going to be more of our future, meaning sitting at home in front of a screen and pushing buttons, you know? And so, I'm with you on that. Um, let's talk a, a little bit about, you know, the the markets and 
tell us generally how bad people are freaking out and, and, and what you can tell people, you know, I I used to be in your industry and I know, you know, stay the course is almost always the best advice, but tell us, is this any different? Sure. Well, in order for me to do that, I have to just tell you a little bit about what we do. So the colony group is a wealth management and business management firm. And as such, we are not simply an asset management firm. Uh, Dave, you may or may not be familiar with this this new concept that Fidelity Investments introduced. They call it the advisory value stack. And it's a fascinating concept if you haven't uh, looked into it. It's, 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 uh, you can look it up and just Google the concept mm-hmm. to learn more about it. But it speaks to advisors that use asset management as a core offering, but they understand that to really uh, provide the most value to clients, they have to build on, if you think of asset management as the base of a pyramid, they've got to create a pyramid by building on top of that base. And the way they do that is, is, um, is you provide more and more value. You're doing financial planning or helping clients achieve goals as the next level up. And then the level up above that is helping clients achieve peace of mind. And then the level up above that is helping clients achieve fulfillment in their lives. That is our model. That's what we aspire to. So we're much more than just money managers. As such, our clients are probably a little bit less sensitive than a client, for example, of say a wirehouse where it might really all be about, hey, how am I doing? Uh, The S&P is up today. Am I up as much? Uh, And that type of thing. And so we do goals-based planning for our clients. That means that we're all about understanding what our clients' goals are, achieving goals, again, that next level up, and giving them peace of mind, making sure they don't have to worry about it. We've done Monte Carlo simulations to try to understand all different possibilities. So I'm going to answer your question, but I want to answer it <laughs> in that context, which is, which is simply that uh, – that, um, while our clients absolutely uh, have different ranges of nervousness, and look, everyone's nervous about what's going on. It's a natural instinct. We should all feel that. That fear tells us how to respond to things like this with caution, and we should respond with caution. Um, we've had a few clients that, um, that just, uh, just absolutely panicked, um, but that's a very, very small number of clients, and those clients... Um, decided that they needed to move uh, all or most of their assets into cash. That was not our advice. But that being said, um, the client ultimately has to make those decisions. And, um, uh, and uh, the vast majority of our clients have a long-term perspective. The reality is, is that the Great Recession of 2008 prepared us for this. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our clients have been with us for a long time, and they understand that it, that there are going to be shocks to the system. This is new. There's nothing normal about what's going on. This is extraordinary. Every single crisis, including this one, is very different from the prior crisis. Mm -hmm. So it's new, and that's what scares people. That being said, uh, the vast majority of our clients understand the need to have a long-term perspective and understand the need to understand that Ultimately, we will get through this, that the world is not going to end. And if you are still a believer in, um, in, in global industry and global policymakers, uh, and especially American industry and American policymakers, then 
it's probably not prudent to be pulling back, uh, you know, dramatically, at least into cash, maybe a few tactical moves here or there. So we move forward and, um, and, um, and, and we are continuing to be cautious about what goes on. Uh, but we are also uh, positioning portfolios appropriately for the future in our judgment and, uh, and making sure that we remain invested. I, I, it's been a while since I've given financial advice, but tell me if there's any um, wisdom to this as simplistic as it may be. In the, the crisis of 2008, there was something that was broken. I mean, I, I saw the movie, the, the big short, you know, and I understood some of it. And so, and so, you know, the, the housing market was, was based on a flawed premise or an illegal premise or whatever it was, right. It needed to be fixed before things were going to get better. Again, simplistic thought in this case, the, the fundamentals that our economy rests on, um, it's almost like they're, they're, the economy is taking body blows, but all the pieces are still there. In other words, once this this thing, this virus, which is unrelated in 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 some sense, in one sense anyway, it's unrelated to the the markets and the, our economy. And so, once we get past that, why why wouldn't the economy come back? Is there anything to that, or am I just uh, is that the Sesame Street version of it? <laughs> no, that, we, no, that's not the Sesame Street version. Okay. You're actually uh, latching on to something very important, which is that there are different types of recessions, assuming that we're now in a recession or heading into a recession, which seems like a pretty good assumption. Um, there are different types of, of, of recessions. There are recessions that are caused by policy mistakes, mistakes by, for example, the Fed mm -hmm. uh, or other global policymakers. There are recessions that are caused by, as you just pointed out in 2008, typically some sort of bubble that's bursting, whether that's internet stocks or whether that's the housing market in 2008. Uh, or there are also recessions such as the current one that are brought on uh, not by either of those things, but rather by an external shock. And that's what's going on here. And you're correct that statistics show that ultimately there's more likelihood that we could recover more easily from something like this. Again, however, we're mindful that every, every single recession is different, every single crisis is different. And for us, it's just about taking advantage to the extent possible of opportunities, but again, staying the course. So there are things, for example, that people can be doing right now. Um, uh, we have been tax loss harvesting, uh, which is the exercise of extracting capital losses that can be used against future capital gains uh, by selling positions that are down, replacing them with similar positions, holding on to those similar positions for a certain period of time, and then um, ultimately getting back into the original position in a way that allows you from a tax perspective to harvest these losses. We're taking advantage also of opportunities to rebalance portfolios, to reconsider asset allocation, reconsider risk tolerance, um, and so there are, and then there are also people who are very opportunistic. We have built a recovery portfolio and recovery portfolio was really designed to identify individual companies that are likely to do well as a result of the recovery. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Well, that gives us hope. And I think, <laughs> I think common, and I'm glad that you're staying in touch with everyone and, and that not too many of your clients have 
panicked because, you know, panic spreads more panic. And, you know, we've got everyone's got enough to worry about right now. You know, staying sane with your kids jumping on your head and and things and managing to get a couple yeah. of breaths of fresh air and all that. Um, when we we're going to step aside for just a minute now, when we come back, we're going to play a quick edition of Good Stuff before we adjourn with Mike Nathanson. By the way, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Mike, and learn more about your outfit? And, and I don't, I don't, and I don't mean your quarantine outfit, which is lovely, but I meant your company. Go ahead. <laughs> just to visit our, our website, Dave, yep. uh, which is at www.thecolonygroup.com. There you go, thecolonygroup.com. And let me tell you a minute about what we do here at Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network. Um, how would you like your own podcast? You might think this is not such the great time to do it, as you're getting down to your last uh, granola bar and last bag of Cheetos. No, folks. As a matter of fact, we've been recording remote podcasts for a long time now, and are prepared to do it for you to go to Pod Six One Seven dot com if you'd like to get started. And we will ship you out a USB mic, a quality mic you can plug right into your laptop and talk to us and interview. Your, your guests, and we have some deals we're running running to help people get started in these unprecedented times, as we all like to say. Um, also, if you'd like to be a guest on this show, the Boston Podcast, I encourage you to just email me, david at pod617.com. There's no charge, and particularly business owners, and I'm thinking about people who own restaurants or outfits like that. If you know someone like that, have them email me, david at pod617.com. We're offering this for free, free marketing for those businesses looking to keep top of mind during this fun, fun, fun quarantine. Right now, let's, as we do on the show, to try to cheer you up a little bit, maybe give you a little tips on how to survive this business. Let's play an edition of Good Stuff. Let's have me push the right button. That's the third day in a row, Mike, that I've pushed the wrong button for this segment. So it's become kind of a tradition, but let's play Good Stuff. That's the good stuff. Well, Mike, you've already given us one. Before I ask you your, your tip on surviving the quarantine, you've given us a recommendation about a TED Talk, and I think I've located it. Forget the pecking order at work. That's what it's called, right? Correct. Margaret, Margaret Heffernan? Yeah, Margaret Heffernan, and it's yeah. all about super chickens and good things like that. Let's um, see if we can listen in a little bit on what Margaret has Visit to say companies here. Companies that have banned coffee cups at desks because they want people to hang out around the coffee machines and talk to each other. The Swedes even have a special term for this. They call it fika, which means more than a coffee break, it means collective restoration. At IDEX, a company up in Maine, they've created vegetable gardens on campus so that people from different parts of the business can work together and get to know the whole business that way. Have they all gone mad? <laughs> Quite the opposite. They figured out that when the going gets tough, and it always will get tough if you're doing breakthrough work that really matters, what people need is social support, and they need to know who to ask for help. Companies don't have ideas. Only people do. And what motivates people are the bonds and loyalty and trust they develop between each other. That, those are words that, that ring very true right now. That's a great call, Mike. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what we're missing, really, right? Because there, you know, you have an idea that occurs to you. You know, if you're near someone, you might go over and say, hey, what do you think about this? But if you're at home, 
you're probably going to, I mean, maybe if it's a real Eureka, you send an email around. I just thought about this, but you also might kind of just let it go. Right. Exactly. Tell us, um, Mike, do you have any other, any, anything else? And this can be sort of the fun part of the show, anything you've seen recently or any other coping strategy that helps, helps you uh, endure this period. Totally. So the first thing I want to say from a coping perspective is you got to work out and if possible, work out with people that you are otherwise disconnected from. So every single day, without exception, there's something on my calendar. It's called collaboration session. And that's really code for I'm going to go and work out just with a few dumbbells. It's all you need. And I work out with a whole bunch of people that are connected to me primarily through work. And we work out together and we push each other and we sweat and we feel great afterwards. And it's just a time again for us to be connected, to try to stay healthy. You know, you've, you've seen all the memes that people are putting on weight and they're, they're not in good shape. Mm. And it just, it's a great way to get through a day. And if I can add one more. Sure, Dave, do it. Also, let me just say that um, if you're really looking something to give you a good feeling inside, go and give some money to, to a charity that's desperately in need right now, or go and volunteer even by just by being a, a volunteer to, to make some calls or something virtually. Uh, charities are getting killed right now. Yeah. And there are some that are near and dear to my heart and they're getting crushed. People are not donating. Many charities rely on, on, on walks, rides, races, and those things are all shut down and they're doing virtual events, but virtual events are killing these charities. They're not getting the level of grant money from the government anymore, obviously. And uh, if you really want to give yourself a good feeling, go give some money to a charity, just a little bit of money, or go do something for a charity that's important to you, whether it's COVID related or not. And frankly, the ones that are not are the ones who are really getting neglected. I'll, I'll piggyback on what you said. I mean, we're still doing a lot of the stuff we're doing just virtually. And so if you do these happy hours, I keep telling people, do your happy hour with your, your, your friends or your family or whatever, but um, be a little creative and have a point, you know, play a game or have something where you go around and everyone says something that may sound hokey, but you're going to enjoy it a lot more. Why not do one? That's a fundraiser. You know, we're all going to get on and we're going to, you know, in fact, you know, you get around a bunch of people and each person just go around and say their favorite charity and say, hey, how about if we all chip in, you know, 10 bucks to this or that or pick one that someone's met. I mean, <clears throat> talk about a great way to get the good vibes flowing. I know that you've raised a lot of money in the past for uh, brain cancer research, if I'm not mistaken. Mike, do you want to give a uh, shout out to any of the, the worthy organizations that you support? Oh, I, I most certainly do. So I, I am I am myself a brain tumor survivor. I don't have brain cancer, but I do have Sorry, a brain, brain tumor. Right. And, um, uh, and so I am a, a strong supporter of the National Brain Tumor Society, uh, which I believe is the largest nonprofit brain tumor organization in the country. They do fantastic work, largely focused just on research, and they need help right now. Uh, but I'm also a fan of Boston Children's Hospital, um, I have a son who has congenital heart disease and he's been treated there all his life, has had a couple of open heart surgeries there. They're wonderful. And uh, I'm a big, strong supporter of, of Boston Children's Hospital. Um, Dave, I love what you said about the virtual happy hour and um, the idea of making it into a fundraiser. That's exactly what the Colony Group did over this last weekend. We did a virtual 5K 
and we raised several thousand dollars for some for some charities that our employees were very interested in supporting and everyone should be doing something like that it give you a great feeling and that sounds super fun too so with the virtual 5k were people on treadmills or actually running or was it more just a symbolic 5k uh, no actually i would say we we got pictures. Uh, I would say most people went outside, typically with a mask and ran by themselves, but most people went outside and actually did do the run. Um, I myself did, did that as well. I, nice. I did not report my time because it's way too embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> but um, but, but uh, no, we did. And uh, we raised we raised a lot of money and we gave it to two great organizations. And I'm very proud of our people coming together and wanting to do that. And I don't know this, so I'll, I'll ask, have you been given a clean bill of health since your um, episode? Episode. I, I'm sorry, that's probably not the right word with the, the, the brain tumor. Yeah, well, uh, I have. I, I've, uh, I'm on a, about my 20th MRI now, wow. and I have one every year, and I'm completely stable and uh, completely healthy. But for me, this was a calling. You know, Dave, you and I are both movie buffs, and yep. I love the, uh, the, the scene uh, at the end of Forrest Gump, which is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. I love the scene when he's standing over Jenny's grave, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he says, I'm not sure if we all have a destiny or if we're all floating accidental like on a breeze. I think maybe it's both. And that's kind of the way my life is. I, I feel like it's just, I, I'm more probably a, a feather floating, uh, floating on the wind. And, um, you know, came out of law school, uh, went to a big law firm. I was going to you know, be a great lawyer and did that for a while. Um, while I was at the law firm, I was diagnosed with this, with this tumor. It was a very shocking event for me. Um, ultimately, found my way into, into financial services with this fantastic company, the Colony Group. Got to be the chairman of the board of the National Brain Tumor Society. Um, these are just all things that have sort of happened over time. And, um, and I believe that I have a brain tumor because I was meant to be put in a position to try to strengthen the community, do something for the community. I'm very proud that my, my family and I have established the, the Nathanson Family Catalyst Fund for Brain Tumor Research. And we're very proud of that. And we're regularly giving to it and doing fundraising around it. Um, my son, again, with his condition, who's also doing well, just like me, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to live to 120 years old. Um, and my son is as well. And he's doing great as well. But again, that was a call to action for us to, to do good for, for the Children's Hospital and for that the, the, uh, the cardiac community. And we've established the Nathanson Family Catalyst Fund for Cardiac Valve Research. And we support a lab there that's doing fantastic work and ultimately is going to help cure congenital heart disease. Uh, I like the Forrest Gump reference because it it's good advice always it's good advice in these times and you know to sort of piggyback on that you know it's almost like um you can be you don't have to be the the leaf floating down the river and just letting the river take you where it takes you you can you can steer but you can't steer forever you know you you can't you're not always going to be able to steer you know it's like it a little bit like what mike tyson once famously said everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face you know <laughs> and we all get, and we and we all get punched in the face sometimes you know like you i was inspired by my son my 22 year old son adrian soon to be 22 who who has autism and that was a fork in the road that i didn't think i was going to have to take but 
you know, I, I did my best to, you know, throw myself into the world of autism and learn about it and give advice on it and support great organizations and great schools and things like that. And, uh, you know, right now we're all getting punched in the mouth a little bit, but what are you going to do? You know, well, you know what we should do? Well, first of all, I'm also a big autism supporter as well. well thank um, you. Including New England center for children. Oh, that's, and that's, that's the, that's the very, we've not, I don't think we've compared notes on this. That's the school that for many years provides services to Adrian's program. So that's my number one. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, my wife Dawn and I are big supporters and we have some dear friends who have a, a uh, son who um, has been also receiving benefits from the New England Center for Children. Yep. And, um, you know, what, what I would say generally about what's happening right now with COVID-19 and with life generally is life speaks to us. We have to listen to it and we have to respond. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's well said, Mike. You know, this is, um, this is my favorite podcast of the last two hours. I swear it. No, um, that, that no, that that was tremendous because I I appreciate your thoughts. You you should be a part time philosopher as well as being um, a wonderful financial advisor. So, but I hope you had fun on the show, Mike. Great time, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And again, it's Mike Nathanson, Chairman CEO of the Colony Group. Go to the Colony Group. ColonyGroup.com. Is that right, Mike? I want to make sure I get it right. It's thecolonygroup.com. Thecolonygroup.com for more info on that. And make note of all the charities we mentioned today, including New England Center for Children. That's NECC.org, by the way. Great school in the uh, so the western, not quite the western part of the state. Where are they? Southboro? Northboro? I always forget. It's out there somewhere on Route 9. Anyway. Maybe Southboro. I'm not sure. Anyway, great organization. Thanks so much, Mike Nathanson. Um, If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Again, if you want to be a guest or someone you know is a business owner, wants a little extra attention during the quarantine, just email me, david at pod617.com. We'll get you right on this show at no extra charge. On behalf of my friend, Mike Nathanson, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody, as best you can. We're getting there, people. We're going to be fine, I swear.